is the Adam Crowley Show. Enough! I'm putting these back in my pants. They're mine. This is crazy. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. Tonight a must-win game for the Flyers? Do they have to win to win the series? Yeah, it's a pretty big one. Large. Doesn't look like Couturier is going to play. We know Patrick Hornquist is not going to play. Big loss for the Penguins, but they're better than the Flyers. The Flyers just lost their first-line center. Rubro Raggy! Wonder what's going to be in the urinals at Wells Fargo tonight. Probably just a whole bunch of tears and urine, because it's all over. I'm already predicting it. First minute of the show, Penguins win tonight. They win the series in five, just like I said at the beginning of the series. I had buddies texting me, oh no, it's going to be Flyers. It's going to be tight. Could be Penguins in six. Could be Penguins in seven. The Flyers aren't that bad. They're not good. They're 42 and 40. Now one of their best players is likely out for this game. Pens in five. Hashtag. Did it backwards. Retroactive hashtag. Don't matter. Game over tonight. Series over tonight. We'll be talking about the Blue Jackets come next week. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley where we did a Couturier-themed cheese tease today. Some might say it was a low blow, and it was. Gouda should have hit him up high. Sullivan has changed the way these Penguins play fundamentally, and he's changed the way that they play in the framework of a rivalry. The Flyers used to be the most hated team by these Pittsburgh Penguins, and I think that they are still... But I think they're channeling that rage and that emotion in the proper fashion. Think about this. In 2012, the Penguins blew leads in games one and two of their series. It was embarrassing and really, in my opinion, was the low point, without a doubt, in the Crosby-Malkin era. Crosby fought Giroux. Chris Letang blew his lid. Malkin was a menace. The trio combined for 21 points and 30 freaking six penalty minutes. The Penguins were the better team that year like they are this year. I think they'd have beaten any team in hockey other than those Flyers. Philadelphia had gotten under their skin all year long. Philly led the league in penalty minutes with over 1,300. Sid and his mates just didn't know what to do. The Penguins also gave up 12 power play goals in that series and more goals in those six games than they did their entire cup run in 2009. The team totally lost composure, totally imploded. It was a disaster. But that was under Dan Bilesman. That was then. This is now. With Mike Sullivan at the helm, the Penguins have bought into the mantra, just play. If this team flips a goose, it's not in the same fashion that they did back in 2012. This team doesn't flip that goose as quickly as the 2012 team did. Sure, Malkin will take an untimely penalty every now and again, and Latang can lose his cool, but this team is far more mature under their Boston-born coach than they were under Dan Bilesma. The Penguins could have unraveled in the 2016 playoffs when the Capitals were on a comeback charge in Game 6. They did not succumb to the pressure 
And then they wound up winning the game in overtime. The Jackets tried to run the Penguins' defense out of the damn building last year. They were hitting everything that moved. If you were in the front row and you ordered nachos, you were getting an elbow in the face. The Penguins, though, they played their game. They stayed out of the extracurricular stuff, and they wound up winning the series in five games. Last year, the Penguins went 37 minutes without a shot in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. Previous Penguins teams, specifically the 2013 version of the Penguins against Boston, would have lost their minds. They would have lost their cool. They would have flipped out. They would have spontaneously combusted. Not this team. Not with this coach. In 2012, when the Flyers tried their nonsense, the Penguins blew up. This year, when the Flyers are dumb, the Penguins go on the power play. And when they do go on the power play, they score goals. I'd say this strategy is working just a little bit better. Six years ago, the emotion of the rivalry got the best of the Penguins. Now, it's just not even a possibility. With Sullivan in the fold, the Penguins just play. And when they do that, Flyers can't win. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. We've got Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Very excited about that. Joining us today at 420. Tomorrow, Greg Wyshynski of ESPN will also be joining us. They love us. They know Puck. We know Puck. So they said, why not join the crown man? I did it again. The crown man. Crown man's back. Who's worse, the crown man or Stat Pat? Stat Pat. Stat Not Pat. even close. Yeah, hands oh, jeez. All right. Okay, hands fine. Down. Oh, jeez. All Dumb right. Question. Easy, boys. Okay. Yeah. All right. Calm down now. Dave Hackstall yesterday in practice had a plan. And his plan was to get Claude Guy Rooks going. Let's get Giroux playing the best hockey he's played in this series. And really, it wouldn't take much. Because Claude Giroux has not left his fingerprints on this thing at all. He's got one point in three games. He had 14 points in six back in 2012. And Crosby is outplaying that song, bitch. He's got seven so far in the series. So the plan yesterday at practice prior to Sean Couturier going down was to get Giroux, Couturier, and Voracek on the top line, get Konechny, Nolan Patrick, who I think looks really good on the second line, with Wayne Simmons, and you try to get Simmons going, you try to get Giroux going. And then, the injury. The Gudis. He takes out one of their best players, and tonight we're going to find out the three Selkie candidates, the best defensive forward in the National Hockey League, and I guarantee you, Sean Couturier is part of that list. Almost guarantee you he's not playing in tonight's game. So that totally Fs with the plan. Because the plan was to load up the top lines and try to pressure Crosby's line. And it might have worked with Patrick Hornquist not being in the lineup. But now, you got Philpola, who skates as well as me, who's likely going to be the second-line center unless they decide to move Claude Giroux back to center and then trickle everything down. Woof. That is, of course, unless Couturier comes back. I'm getting a little hot and bothered, though. Talking about Cooter and Horny. Mmm. Sean Couturier, likely not in the lineup. Patrick Hornquist, the horn dog. Not going to be in the crease. Mm. Unfortunately for the Penguins, that stinks. What is with hockey writers, though? 
Hockey media? I can't spell couture. How do we shorten it? Oh, let's go with cooter. Oh, why don't you just call the guy vagina? I mean, come on. I can't spell Hornquist. I know there's a Q and a V somewhere in there. I'll just call him horny. I'm not pretending to be mature. But I think they all knew what they were doing when they were doing it. Horny was averaging a point per game in this series. So was Cooter. I don't think the Penguins can replace Hornquist all that easily. I don't think it's as simple as plugging in Zach Ashton Reese. Ugh. Plugging it in. Ugh, God. That's what I'm reading everywhere, right? Zach Ashton Reese is the facsimile of Patrick Hornquist that you can slide onto that top line with Sidney Crosby, and I think that is a bad idea. He can't skate! I think he's going to be a good National Hockey League player, but my God, he did not look good in game number three. Games one and two, fine. Game three, oh, no, 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 no. So here's how you find a way to satisfy the need for Horny. He needs to get more from Phil Kessel. Phil's just got one point in three games. He's got none five on five. And he's going to play with Evgeny Malkin on the second line. So with Gino, he needs to produce. That line needs to produce without Patrick Hornquist in the lineup. Here's what I'd do five on five, or at least here's what they're going to do five on five. Gensel, Crosby, and Simone. I worry about the defense if they're matched up against that Drew line, even without Couturier. Then you've got Haglin, Malkin, and Kessel. They had 53% of the shot attempts in game three, but they need to get more out of Kessel. What I do love, though, is the Penguins' third line. Sherry, Broussard, Rust, they controlled 62% of the shot attempts when they were on the ice in Game 3. And then the fourth line would be Kuhnhockel, Shahan, and Aston Reese. The reason that I still have Aston Reese in the lineup is because I do think he can at least produce somewhat similarly to Patrick Hornquist, the horn dog, on the power play. I would keep the lines like I just said, but on the PP, oh, I'd have Zach Aston Reese in place of Hornquist in front of the net. He's got pedigree. He's got similar size and makeup to Hornquist. He's obviously not as good as Horny, but he could be a legit net front presence. Now, that's not the case if it's Jake Gensel, who I do think that it will be initially. Cooter and Horny. In one series. I'm wondering if they've just ran off together. Coots and Horn Dog. You think they're eloping? It's hard to say. It's 2018. I'm cool with it. Hey, the Capitals won last night. How about that? Lucky bounce, but <laughs> I think they'll take it. I saw this today. Since 2008, when they've been in the playoffs, they've played 34. 34 overtime games, including the first three games of the series this year against Columbus. That's great for Pittsburgh, though. Great for Pittsburgh. I think, ideally, you'd like to see the series go seven games. You'd like to see each of the seven games go to overtime, and hopefully game seven, it goes to 15 overtimes, and someone hurts themselves. Someone gets goodest. 
I'm not going to feel bad for anybody on any team getting hurt the way that I saw Crosby get hurt last year and the way that Crosby's been hurt throughout his career and the injuries the Penguins have had to battle through the last couple of years. You can win being hurt. You have to, frankly, to win the Stanley Cup. But that's the absolute best-case scenario for Pittsburgh is to see the Capitals and Columbus just beat the ever-loving bleep out of each other. What a lucky bounce. Lars Eller going to the front of the net. Puck bounces off his stick and his foot and his stick again, then his face, then his ass, and there you have it. Game three victory. Woohoo! And there's nothing I like better than to not have to hear that damn cannon go off like we hear all the time in Columbus. Vegas won. Marc Andre Fleury stopped 167 out of 170 shots in the series. That is hot. He's the best goalie going right now. And that's nothing against Matt Murray, but he's just playing better. It doesn't mean the Penguins made the wrong choice. He's just playing better. I think the Penguins will take that consolation prize right now, though, because Matt Murray has about a 930 save percentage in this series, and he's largely kept the Flyers at bay. Uh, They scored six goals so far. Five if you don't include the empty netter. I'll choose not to. So that's about 1.67 goals per game. That's fast math by me. I got StatPat handing me notes over here. Get out of here, StatPat. Don't you even think about cracking that damn microphone, you son of a bitch. He leaned into it like he was He did. He was ready to talk. (laughs) Get the hell out of here. You're on a one-day suspension. You're like (laughs) Drew Downey. What a story, though, for Vegas. It's unbelievable. I saw on ESPN there was an article about how good of a job George McPhee did, and you can't deny that. But that being said, George McPhee built a great team by accident. He didn't think that this team would be one series win away from going to the conference final. He thought that he'd be trading Marc-Andre Fleury. He thought he'd be trading James Neal. He thought he'd be trading David Prom. He did a great job. He developed a team that can skate and play in today's modern league. But he did it by accident. He brought in players he thought could perform well enough to be exciting to trade for at the deadline. And they outperformed that. Good for them. Good for him. And also a little salt in the wound of the Washington Capitals. Can you imagine if George McPhee, the former general manager of Washington, winds up getting past the second round when Washington hasn't been able to do that in Ovechkin's career? Ooh. Also, this just in. Tom Brady might be done. What? What? I know. Tom Brady. Tom Brady's done? TB12, not Walking working. away? What? What's going to happen with Guerrero? What? I know. Who's going to kiss his son inappropriately on camera? ESPN's reporting that Brady hasn't officially said he's coming back. Spoiler alert, he is. I'm breaking that news right now here on the Crowley Show. Tom Brady will be back, as will. Rob Gronkowski. Gronkowski's worried about brain damage. Sorry, buddy, that ship has sailed. We'll talk more about the ESPN content creation as it relates to Tom Brady coming up a little bit later. We will talk next, though, with Emily Kaplan from ESPN, who does a really good job, along with Greg Wyshynski, to lead their hockey coverage. She's next, talking about the Penguins, the Flyers, and the rest of the league. It's ESPN Pittsburgh. 
The flowers are blooming. Birds are chirping. Everybody everywhere has a little more pep in their step. It's warming up, and there's work to be done. So come on, people, hop to. There's no time like springtime to stop into 84 Lumber to get everything you need to build that new deck or gazebo. Start now, and you'll be able to enjoy your new project all summer long. Visit 84lumber.com to find a store near you. Corny. Hoots! <laughs> Corny. Hoots! Corny. Hoots. Oh, corny. Oh, hoots. Oh, corny. Penguins Flyers game number four can be heard right here on ESPN Pittsburgh tonight at 7 o'clock. We'll take you right on up to the puck drop. We always talk hockey here on the Crowley Show, but all hockey today. Joining us now to talk about this series and what's going on around the National Hockey League. We're very pleased to be joined by Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Emily, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Emily, the Penguins obviously have injury concerns with Patrick Hornquist, and no doubt the Flyers do with Sean Couturier perhaps not being in the lineup tonight. Which one's the bigger loss? I tend to think it's Couturier. I agree with you just because I think the Penguins have a deeper lineup and therefore can compensate for the loss of Hornquist. Kutz is, you know, a two-way player for them. They Their top line has really carried them all year, and the loss of him is huge. Hornquist, you know, you see the stats where when he was missing for a couple games, it was January or February, uh, power play was under 13%. Obviously, the power play is what's driving Pittsburgh, and it's, you know, their best asset. But uh, they, they can replace him, and I'm not as worried about that. Emily, uh, I'm wondering what the Flyers will do if Couturier is not in the lineup, uh, how they will uh, roll their lines out there. Do you think there's a chance Claude Giroux moves back to center? What do you think they'll do? What should they do? That'd be interesting. I mean, I honestly think one of the more underrated stories of the year this year is Claude Giroux moving to winger and having a renaissance. We were all kind of writing him off last year like he was done, moves to wing and has an excellent year. I do know that fans in Philadelphia are going to be excited because I think one of the big criticisms of Dick Haxel is that he's not very flexible and he doesn't, you know, make moves as much as they want or adjustments, and this is going to force him to adjust. So I think Giroud's going to stay on the wing and they'll just kind of shuffle around their centers, but we'll see what happens. I've been really impressed by Nolan Patrick in this series. He definitely came on in the last game. I could have had a goal there on the breakaway. I think Ole Matis had a great season, but he made him look like a pylon taking the puck to the net there. How have you seen him grow over the course of the year? And I suppose he might be that guy then on the top line. Yeah, I'm starting to notice him a lot more in games than when I checked him out, you know, maybe in November or December, in a year where there's so many great rookies. Um, you know, there's probably five or six guys I could put on by Calder and Ballard in the top three. Uh, Nolan Patrick kind of got lost in the mix, but you're right. I think at this point of the stage, you know, he's had a big goal. His presence is known. Um, he could play first-line center right now. Emily Kaplan joining us here on the Crowley Show. How'd you have this series playing out beforehand, Emily, and how do you think things will go now, uh, assuming that Couturier is not going to be around? I think I kind of had a plan going exactly like this. I obviously thought the Pittsburgh Penguins would prevail, and kind of the way I view them right now is that they're just trolling the rest of the league. 
Uh, you know, you look <laughs> at the way they started their season. Seriously, well, think about it. They kind of started in this malaise, and they're like, all right, you know, we're back-to-back champs, and when they need to turn it on, they could turn it on. And that's what I see happening in a series. Like, they, okay, you know, kind of let one go in game two, but when they're on the brink and they know they need a win, they will score all the goals against Brian Elliott, whoever's in net, and move on to the second round. I love that take. That is such a great take. The, the way that they've kind of warmed up to it all season long. And, oh, here, here's seven goals. Good luck. And then, oh, right. we'll let you have yours. And then, oh, here's five goals. Uh, good luck. Uh, having covered a lot of the players, obviously, throughout this league, uh, how does Sidney Crosby compare from a motivational standpoint? Uh, he obviously is a is somebody who works very hard, even with the talent that he has. But the motivation... I think he took from his face being in all the urinals at the Wells Fargo Center is something that I think you have to behold with a with an athlete. Yeah, so this is my first year covering hockey. I used to cover the NFL. And one of the most interesting things I noticed off the bat with Crosby is that he's at his locker every single day, right? He faces the media every single day. He doesn't say something interesting, usually, but he's there. And um, But on the ice, there, there's just this different spark in him. He's super superstitious. You notice off the ice. But on the ice, I think when I talked about them trolling the league and needing to turn it on when they need to turn it on, like, he's the ringleader in that. Like, they're all feeding off of that energy. And this year, you know, we're kind of talking about, okay, maybe the reins are being cast that Connor McDavid is the best player in the world. And Crosby's like, nah, I'm in the playoffs, and I'm going to show you I'm still the best player in the world. Emily Kaplan from ESPN joining us here on the Crowley Show. Let's talk a little bit about the league overall. The biggest story, I think, going at this moment right now is – what Marc-Andre Fleury and the Las Vegas Golden Knights are doing. Uh, obviously, we're going to be talking about that here in Pittsburgh. And the thing that stinks is anytime you compliment Matt Murray, you've got people from the Fleury side who are chirping at you. Uh, if you talk about how great Marc-Andre Fleury was in that series, you've got the Matt Murray people chirping, saying, hey, what about this guy? He's got a 930 save percentage thus far through these first three games. What has he brought to Vegas that maybe they didn't know that they could have this year? Yeah, so he's kind of the face of the franchise, right? He's the most accomplished player that they've got. But I think in a lot of ways, he exemplifies the entire roster. I actually have a story in ESPN, the magazine, coming out in like a week. It could not have been timed any better about this team. And it was really just about how they all really embrace this underdog role. All of them were players who were told at some point they were spare parts. They're not needed anymore. Marc-Andre Fleury, ridiculous stats of the Pittsburgh Penguins, all these career records, and it's like, now we're going with what, you know, management across America is saying. We're, we're going younger and cheaper. And um, it actually was a quote, I think, from Ryan Reeves, who told me, who obviously went there at the trade deadline. And he's like, you know, you look around the room and all these players are guys that said, we don't, teams said, we don't want you or we want someone better. But they're all hungry and they all can play. And when I look at Marc-Andre Fleury this year, I see someone who's really hungry. I also see someone who's rested because he only had 46 starts this year. What do you make of George McPhee's job as the general manager of Vegas? Because... Hell, he obviously did a great job, and he's tailored this team to play a great style, uh, the style that a lot of teams are trying to win with in the league right now. But he kind of did it by accident, too. I think he picked a bunch of players that he thought could overperform and get moved out at the deadline, and now they've overperformed so much that they're a series went away from going to the conference final. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, it's hilarious when you look back at these quotes over the summer where McPhee's telling everyone, we're going to make the playoffs in three years, contend for the Stanley Cup in six. You know, they obviously were going to be sellers at the deadline, but I also think that we didn't give him enough credit at the expansion draft for how well he gamed the system. 
in that ESPN the Magazine story I told you about, I talked to another Western Conference GM, and he was like, you know, I think what George McPhee did is he forced everyone to overthink it. Everyone just needed to lose one player, right? You just need to suck it up and lose one player. And everyone made these side deals, and they were so concerned of who they were giving up. And McPhee got so much more than just one player from each team. And that's really playing to their benefit right now because they have so many assets. And, and he really was careful about what kind of character guys he was getting as well. Is it an indictment on the league that a team can come in in year one and be this good? Or is it just something that we have to come to terms with in this sport? It's a great question. I think part of it, you know, is a little bit of an indictment on scouting staff and saying, okay, well, why, why didn't you see something in this guy or why weren't you giving him an opportunity for a bigger role? At the same time, there's always a caveat that this expansion draft had more generous format than we've ever seen before. You know, there's no way um, this, they would have done this well if they had the same expansion draft format as, as years past that we've seen. Um, but I'll tell you, enough GMs and owners aren't complaining because when Seattle enters the league in hopefully 2020, they're paying $650 million, <laughs> an extra 150 than Vegas paid, and they're getting the exact same format, and no one's complaining because they want that money. Emily Kaplan from ESPN joining us here on the Crowley Show. What else is sticking out to you uh, in the playoffs thus far? Anything that's surprising you or anything that you think is going uh, according to plan exactly the way you thought it would? The thing that's going exactly according to plan the way I thought it was and I'm super pumped about is the Winnipeg Jets. Um, They've kind of been one of my fetishes this year. I love watching them play. They're young. They're plucky. I think Patrick Line, I had a feature of him on ESPN.com, is going to be one of the next big names of the uh, NHL, like a la Crosby or Ovechkin. He's got such an endearing personality, and the kid can play. They're so hard to match up against. I mean, line is playing on the second line. They can play a defensive game if they want to. They can play a high-scoring game. And Connor Hellebuck um, set a record for American goalie, which is pretty ridiculous. He's only 24 years old, so they've been really fun to watch for me. Yeah, that's a really good one. Uh, it's so much fun to see that home crowd get fired up. And, hell, I guess that whole series is just great with Minnesota being there as well. But uh, they're so fired up in Winnipeg. I'll agree with you on that. The thing about Line is he scares me a little bit. He kind of looks like Rasputin. <laughs> well, the crazy thing about Line is the beard, right? And and that was a big part of my article. And every single day he gets into that locker room, and the guys rip on his beard. They tell him how ugly he is. They tell him he needs to shave it. And he just doesn't care. He's not faced by anything. It, it's really remarkable personality trait. The kid's only 19 years old. We're here in Pittsburgh, so I'm really not supposed to feel bad for the Washington Capitals, but I kind of feel bad for the Washington Capitals, despite the fact that they won last night. It just It's the same script that we see over and over and over again. They couldn't find a way to close leads in games one and two. Uh, yesterday they get the bounce, and, and that's good for them, but what happens if they get bounced unceremoniously again, this time maybe in the first round? Is it time to start thinking, all right, we need to come at this a different way? Oh, it's time, and I'm telling you, there's going to be big changes in Washington this season. The only way there wouldn't be is if they miraculously win the Stanley Cup. I just don't see it happening. Uh, Barry Trotz has been widely reported. He does not have a contract for next year. There's a reason for that. I think they're probably going to go in a different direction, and I honestly think they're going to go to the summer and everyone besides Ovechkin's on the table. Like, you're going to hear trade rumors involving someone like Nick Backstrom, or, you know, they have two goalies that they feel are capable. Grubauer is going to be a restricted free agent. Go put Holtby on the market and see what you can get from him. I, I think, you know, they need to squeeze this championship window out of Ovechkin. They've been great in the regular season. Hasn't happened in the, off season, in the, in the pro season, rather. And um, I, I really do sense that they're going to try to blow this thing up. In your opinion, Emily, and Emily Kaplan, ESPN, joining us here on the Crowley Show, is... Are the Maple Leafs back in this series, or is that a blip on the radar and otherwise what's going to be a, a series where Boston just bludgeons them? 
Isn't it hilarious after the game threes when like a team like the Avalanche steals them for the Predators and everyone's like, whoa, like we found the Predators were pretenders. Like, no, the Boston Bruins are still one of the more dominant teams we've seen in this postseason. Uh, I think that the Maple Leafs just arrived a little too early. They're still super young. The defensive deficiencies kind of scare me. Freddie Anderson doesn't feel like a guy who can really win you a game. Um, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch for a lot of years, but I do think this is still Boston series. Emily, we've got Wyshynski on tomorrow. What do we got to ask that guy? He, he seems like he's a little bit out there, that dude. He is. Ask him to sing for you the rendition of Sweet Caroline uh, that the Golden Knights sing at their games. He's obsessed with it. Done. And I'm a West Virginia Mountaineer alum, and we actually have our own rendition uh, making fun of the Pittsburgh Panthers, but it is not appropriate for air. Mm-hmm. Uh, Emily- we, we think it, I'm a Penn Stater. We, we got it out of Beaver Stadium. All right, very good. All right, we can at least bond over the fact that uh, there's a hatred of Pitt there. Uh, yeah, there you go. Emily, thank you so much for taking the time. I uh, really appreciate it. This was so enjoyable. Uh, have fun covering the rest of the playoffs. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Take care. There she goes, Emily Kaplan from ESPN. She's great. Tom gets points. I kind of got a crush right now. You can't have a crush on her. I want to have a crush You're on her. You're married. You've got something in your throat. I'm vaping again. Yeah, you're out, man. She's not going to want to date no, you. With no, the way what's you... happening? Emily's choking me up right now is what's happening. Uh, I'm, yeah. So emotional. I got a serious crush on that girl. That's badass. I think that's a quadrant one guest booking, though, from Tom. Tom wins again. He does. It's good stuff. Would you swallow over there? Am I still doing that's it? That's disgusting. I'm trying to vape here and do a radio show. Oh, my God. Look, nothing, I'll just uh, go back to vaping. Nothing personal yeah. to you, Adam, but that was the best hockey talk we've ever had on this show. Yeah, she's fabulous. Oh, my God. Uh, Wojcinski, good luck to you tomorrow. Yeah, really. She really knew her stuff. And I hadn't been reading her stuff until this year. I have read Wojcinski because he did Puck Daddy, and frankly, I had never been crazy about it. So let's see how it goes tomorrow. The take on trolling the league. Oh, it's so that, hot. That's the that awesome is so take. hot. That is an on fire take. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? I think she gets the show because she gave us a take in the early going. And then we've talked about this a bunch. If a team gets up 2 0 and then loses a game, the narrative flips so quickly. Oh my God. Is Boston now done? Has Toronto figured it out? Are they going to run train now the rest of the series? Uh, well, no, they lost a game. Nobody's picked a sweep, right? Uh, even the Predators, who had the most points in the National Hockey League playing the last-place team that got in the playoffs in the Avalanche, we're going to sweep. It just doesn't happen. The narrative flipping is so funny, and we make fun of it all the time here. And I asked a question along those lines, and she gave it right back to me. Yes, she did. She did. She goes, That's isn't tough. it funny the way we do that? Coming up next, Radko Gudis, that guy, that thug, that blockhead, he's the last remnants of the old-time Philadelphia Flyers. And I think for that reason, Penguins fans, you should love them. It's the Crowley Show. Thanks to Emily Kaplan from ESPN for joining us today. Hey, Tom, what time we got with Shinsky tomorrow? 5.20. 5.20. We got Tim Benz at 6, breaking down all the Penguins-Flyers carnage. Mmm! Really, there was nothing better to get ramped up for the playoffs than the Penguins and Flyers. Unfortunately, though, well, maybe not unfortunately, it's not Penguins-Flyers of old. It's just not. It's not 2012, and I'm thankful for that, but it's not the Darian Hatcher days where he's breaking Crosby's face. Uh, You don't have Aaron Asham out there acting a fool. It's just not the same in that regard, and I miss the venom 
I don't miss the way the Penguins played against them. But there is still one last little scrap of old Flyers on this team. Just one little tiny. It's like a hanging chad. Like, left over from the former Flyers. What an old school joke that was. It's Radko Gudis just hanging on to that ballot with his teeth kicking and screaming. Sean Couturier's broken. Radko Gudis busted him up. In practice yesterday, he flipped over, somersault, and look, maybe Gudis is a great dude, but he's an idiot. And maybe Gudis is a great dude, but he's not a great hockey player. Hell, he's not a good hockey player. He's not a mediocre hockey player. He's a bad hockey player. That wasn't intentional, but it was stupid as all get out. But Gudis is old school, right? He's the dying breed in the National Hockey League. There are no longer handfuls of Radko Gudai throughout the National Hockey League. There's just not. There's Radko Gudis. There is there are a couple of guys throughout the league sprinkled in there that kind of uh, fit that mold. I'm forgetting the guy's name obviously here. That's why I stumbled up from Tampa Bay who is basically a pylon on the back end. You can't play that way anymore. You just can't. Under Dave Haxtell, they're trying to get away from it, too. They're trying to become a team that plays with speed. They're trying to become a team that plays with skill. And in 2012, you look back, they had some of that element. They scored a bleep ton of goals. They scored eight goals in back-to-back games. The transition was in its infantile stages. Now, they can score goals. They've got a bunch of goals on the back end with the defense. They've scored the third most in the National Hockey League there. It used to punish people. Now, they play finesse. But in 2012, you had Zach Ronaldo. You had, not on the back end, but he fits this mold, Scotty Hartnell. You had, on the back end, Kimo Tiemann, and they were penalized left and right. They're trying to take out knees. They're trying to F you up. The Flyers led the National Hockey League in penalty minutes with over 1,300, and now the 18th-ranked team in penalty minutes that year would have led the league this year. The league overall is changing. The Penguins don't have a guy like that. They don't have one. Not one. Not a guy. Ian Cole was the closest guy to that, and he's the modern-day stay-at-home defenseman. The Flyers' MO since the 1970s was, we're going to be the Broad Street Bullies. We're going to muscle our way to -to back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. We're going to kick your ass. And because it worked in the 70s, they said, oh, it's always going to work. And now the league's changing. Fighting is gone. Penalties are down. The games become more about speed. The games become more finesse. It's much more enjoyable to watch. And hell, to that point, this is the highest ratings that we've seen through the first five games ever on NBC. So the league is popular again, or at least fighting to get that way because you've cut out the nonsense. I think the Penguins are largely to blame for that. It's good for the game. Hockey's a beautiful game. Sometimes it's rough and tumble. You're always going to have that in the playoffs. That can be beautiful too, but there's a line. The Flyers right now are trying to find that line. Nobody personifies that better than Wayne Simmons, who in 2012 had 26 penalty minutes in the six games in the Penguin series. This year he's got 56 penalty minutes in 75 games. Hackstall wants them to play differently. And really, that's led to them being a better hockey club. One guy, however, one dude who hasn't bought in. Any guesses who that might be? Anybody? Uh, One of Edra gets? No clue? Radko Gudis. He's got almost double the penalty minutes that anybody else on the team has. 
Double. 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 That's a lot. That is two times as much. He's also the team's ninth highest paid player. He's getting $3.5 million to get out Corsi every time he's on the ice and to spend a bunch of the time in the penalty box. He's got two goals and 14 assists this season. Two goals, 14 assists. He's a sieve. He's a hole. The guy stinks. And maybe a decade ago, he wouldn't stink. Maybe a decade ago, he would fit right in. A decade ago, he's a guy you want to have on your bottom pair. But again, the Flyers are trying to become a modern hockey club. They're trying to pull themselves out of the dark ages, and Radko Gudis is kicking and screaming, refusing to change his game, refusing to become a player who can be useful in this league. He's refusing to even be adequate. If the Flyers want to become a modern hockey team and fully buy into speed and skill, they have got to kick his ass to the curb. They've got 50 goals from defensemen this year. Again, third in the league, and he's got two of them. How they're doing that with one of their defensemen not buying in at all is mind-blowing to me. He doesn't fit the bill. But here's why I love him. Because the Flyers are always going to be the Flyers if they can't get out of their own way. As long as the Flyers want to play that style of hockey, as long as they've got one cancer cell on that club, it's going to find its way into becoming a tumor. That's the way that they are. And with him, it's those last remnants of the Flyers teams that didn't do things the right way. Being the big bruisers of the 70s has yielded them exactly zero championships since then. They've been there six times. It's yielded zero championships. They've come up empty. Hell, I guess I could dig this goodest guy sticking around because it'll mean the Flyers, well, haven't learned anything. Hey, we'll start things off today with the Pirates who bounced back and sunk the Rockies 10-2. Shout Rodriguez, the breakthrough performer of that game. Hey, they like to call this guy Serpico based on the 1983 classic movie Scarface. A true story about little Tony Montana from Havana who snorted a mountain of cocaine the size of chicken bluff breast right outside of beautiful Trebulet County, Wisconsin. Hey, Adam, I've got a quick question for you. If you were to snort a mountain of cocaine... Would you rather OD or live to tell the tale? Obviously, I'd rather survive, Harry. Oh, thank God. I was as nervous as a fish on Good Friday that you would say that you would OD. Well, back to you, Adam. It's time to get pucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. Wait a you second. go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. Did you even give us a report on the Pirates? I know Serpico did well. I didn't get anything else from that. The Pirates sunk the Rockies 10-2. Maybe you should get the wax out of your ears. <laughs> Two out of three. Losses. How about that? That was a big win for the Pirates today, but we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. Jackets Capitals is everything I need right now as a hockey fan. If it's a series that you're watching because you care about one of the teams, you'd rather... It's actually kind of like you snorted a mountain of cocaine because every game has gone to overtime. It's been a mess. The Capitals blew a couple of leads. That is typical of them. Again, they led going into the third period yesterday. They found a way to win the game, but they blew the lead before that to wind up going to overtime. 
the best case scenario for Penguins fans, without a doubt, is for this series to go seven games and to continue with this trajectory of every game going to overtime. Now, I'm not naive enough to think that every game will go to overtime, but if five of them go and the rest of them are tightly contested one-goal games, that's everything you absolutely could want as a Penguins fan. And I'm starting to look at this series as one where it doesn't matter who comes out on top. I think the Penguins are going to beat them. I think the Penguins beat Philadelphia, and sure, I'm jumping the ship a little early there. Whatever. They're going to beat Philadelphia. And if it's the Capitals, clearly they've not learned anything. They're a good hockey club, but clearly they grip the sticks too tight when the game's on the line. Clearly they don't know how to win in the playoffs. As for the Jackets, they can score. But I ain't afraid of Bobrovsky. He played well in the series. It's not like they have been great. Think about the first two games. Actually, I'm wrong. Think about each of the games. They were losing going into the third period. You're not that good a hockey club. You're not playing that great a hockey if you've been losing going into the third in each game. I'm loving every second of that series. And how about the Golden Knights? I know we talked about them a little bit with Emily Kaplan, who I think we can now safely say is a friend of the show. Tom, yes, friend of the show? Great friend of the show. Uh, Brian, friend Absolutely. of the show. Yeah, I think she's a friend of the show. I think she gets the show. Mark Andre Fleury stopped 167 out of 170 pucks. And F anyone out there who wants to make this a Murray Fleury debate, he's playing the best hockey any goalie in the playoffs right now. And it doesn't matter who else would be playing, you can't play better than he is. Three goals in four games given up with two shutouts? The dude's a mensch right now. Give me a break with having to pick a side here. I want to root for him. I want the Penguins to win the Stanley Cup, but man, I'm going to enjoy every second of that guy. We'll have Rob Rossi coming on at 520, and I think he's perfect to talk to today because he knows Mark andre fairly well, and they've texted back and forth. If you don't know, just ask Rob. He'll tell you. Eh? 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 But it's been great to watch. He had two shutouts. The team of misfits. The Island of Misfit Toys. I've never seen anything like it before. Unfortunately, I think it all comes to an end when they play Winnipeg or Nashville. But, hell, coming into the season, I thought it was going to come down to them maybe being in last place or not. Hey, the Flyers need more from Giroux. Guy was a plus 28 in the regular season. Tallied 102 points in 82 playoff games. He's got one so far in the series. And I thought... When I heard Patrick Hornquist went out with an injury, that this was finally the time for Claude Giroux to get going. Crosby's line has dominated in terms of possession. They've dominated in terms of the scoreboard. The plus-minus on that line is out the ass. Meanwhile, it's in the tank for the Giroux line. But if Dominic Simone was going to be on that top line and Jake Gensel along with Crosby, neither of them are good defensively. Neither of them are great grinders mucking it up and trying to dig pucks out of the corner. That could significantly have hampered the Penguins' chances to end this series quickly. And the reason is Giroux could have taken off. Well, now without Cooter, God only knows. God only knows what they could do to win this series if he's not going to play. Does Giroux move to center? Does he stay at left wing with Nolan Patrick on the first line? If it is Nolan Patrick, who the hell's playing first line set or second line center there? I don't know. Is it Valtteri Filppula? The guy who skates like me? Giroux needs to bust out. Doesn't look like any busting is going to be going on without Cooter. Coming up next, I've got a eulogy 
the Los Angeles Kings. They're gone. Mark Andre, he put a nail in them. It's so sad. ESPN Pittsburgh.